Yo, man. Good to talk to you again. You too, man. It's been a long time since we've been able to put together a podcast. It's um, been. You know, uh, last yeah, you know, time was what? Just before Christmas? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Um, the last, the last time we that we recorded a podcast, the Suns were on the verge of making a playoff. Or like they looked like a playoff caliber team. Um, <laughs> you know, the the Wolves were the Wolves were uh, finally you know putting it together. Um, you know, so we've, uh, we, we've come some way since then. Um, lots of things have changed. Uh, some things good, some things bad, you know, Kobe Bryant and his daughter passed away since the last time we spoke. Um, Zion's made his return since he spoke, you know, I was trying to think of, uh, since we last spoke, I was trying to think of a way this morning to like kind of describe how it would be or like how it felt. And it's almost like if you, like, if you... (laughs) If you fell asleep in like we'll say like 1961 and you woke up in 1971, and you know we're kind of like, well, what did I miss? You know, I kind of right. feel I kind of feel like that's how like that's how that's what it feels like to me since we last spoke. Since so much stuff has happened. Yeah, no, I think it has been uh, some pretty pretty stark and dramatic changes to both teams in the league and to feelings around the league, you know, definitely the the death of Kobe and Gigi at the end of January. Um, yeah. I mean, it feels like, you know, it hasn't been that long at all, but it feels like it's been uh, several months since then. It's, you, you know, it hasn't. It's, it's really, it's really been two weeks, you right. know, but, but yes, it feels like it's been a, a few months. Yeah, um, it feels, feels weird. Um, I mean, it is, this is, uh, Kobe's death has to be probably the most shocking in the, at least with regard to the NBA since what, Lynn Bias? Oh, yeah. I mean, by, by far. Um, Yeah. I mean, obviously they have totally different impacts on the league, but in, in the sense of like just being really something that blew people away. I mean, I don't remember the Lynn Bias death, but everything I've read about it suggests that it was sort of like it took the room's collective breath. Right, right. And, um, uh, yeah, it definitely feels like a different league. It feels just like a weird world. I mean, I don't want to, you know, yeah, in no, I mean, in no way do I want to overly idolize Kobe, but just his presence in the league for his whole career, you know, it feels weird to right. be in a world where he's just not in it, but... uh you know, I, you know, arguably. Yeah, the, no, um, I, you know, I don't like, yeah, like this is going to be the last thing I say about it because I mean, we've all had time to process it and try and memorialize it and stuff. And that's not really what we're here to do. Yeah. But, like the one, like the last thing I would say is like, yeah, like it felt like, you know, as soon as the news broke, nothing was going to be the same again, you know, and not many people have that impact on anything. You know, yeah. I mean, like you have your immediate family that if you were lost today, it might not be the same for them. But like when you think about like, you know, famous people and athletes and actors and politicians and whoever else, you know, artists, whoever else you want to think of out there in the world, like to have essentially an entire like just cultural shift. Um by your by your pre- like by you not being present anymore by you by your passing like that's that's incredible 
Um, yeah, just, definitely. It's like bone bone chilling almost, you know. I mean, but, the idea that people were so moved by somebody who they don't know personally, you know. And I'm not trying to not. Yeah. I, I certainly am not phrasing it in a way that people don't have that effect. Certainly, you know, I think it happens in some some way for everybody. But it's it's interesting to see the the people that affect such a broad cultural uh, influence, and uh, to see that you know people like literally break down uh yeah well when, you know when I, those people die i would be remiss if i told you that i didn't cry a little bit because i did like it's some for some of the memorial stuff like definitely like the lakers you know sort of you know whole like 15 20 minute you know tribute you know yeah. it wasn't like a tribute video it was a whole it was a performance you know um yeah no, no you know, I, I mean there were a lot of moving elements to a bunch of the tributes that had been done and a bunch of the remembrances people gave and uh you know i definitely don't fault anyone for being at all emotional over that i think mortality is a complicated thing and it's hard for everyone to be in the right headspace about it right you know i just i'm more of an android when it comes to that sort of thing i don't like (laughs) i don't like it's like you know i don't i don't want to feel sad and i don't like feeling sad so i generally Mm -hmm. i just don't I just don't let myself do that. So, you know. Yeah. But but well, general but but I don't fault anyone for feeling sadness and for something that is really sad. There's nothing, you know what I mean, for all of the yeah. flaws or for any of the flaws that Kobe may have had. It is sad. I mean, he was a person who was doing some good things in the community in various communities now and you know particularly the loss of his daughter who was almost certain to go into the WNBA at some point I mean you know what I mean right. like and, and uh, make an impact well, very very broad cultural loss in in the in in the event that's beyond just you know one really good basketball player but he was a really good basketball player and um, as, as you say it's crazy that, that anyone could have that broad a cultural effect that seems I mean it's it's uh, impressive and um, just insane. Right. Well, you know, in the end, life goes on, the game what, goes on. Whether you um, want it to or not, yeah. Right, and, you know, that's uh, ultimately Kobe would want the games to be continued to be played. He would want everybody to go out there and, you know, play the game and live through him in that way. And Definitely. so with that being said, we have actual basketball to talk about because that's what we do. Um, and there's so many different things to talk about. I'm sure we can touch on a lot of things. Um, we've had you know, a lot of things coming up. Uh, All-Star break starts next weekend. Um, you know, we just had the trade deadline this past week. Um, the Pelicans are, you know, Zion made his debut a couple weeks ago. And, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but now, whenever the Pelicans are on, I'm watching. That's pretty much it. Like no ifs, ands, or buts. There, there are hardly any games that will get, um, you know, the the top spot over the Pelicans. Uh, we've had Philly backsliding a lot. It seems like there's a lot yeah. of different things to talk about there. Um, some old issues that we've been talking about this whole time. Some new things. Um, you know, Kyrie just can't help himself staying out of the news. Our guy, Third Eye. You know, I, I mean, there's so many different things. Uh, Toronto, they're on a 14-game win streak right now. They just won their 14th game after stealing one last night that they really didn't have. Um, right, and, just, and despite Kyle Lowry having some injury issues. Right. I can't say I can't believe I'm saying it, but the Knicks and the Hornets um, are actually out here being smart, uh, making some good moves, albeit small moves. Uh, right in the grand scheme of things of this season, but overall making some some good moves, I think. You know, like there's a yeah. lot of things to talk about. So I don't know where you want to start, but but I'll, I'll let you I'll let you guide us right now. Uh, well, let's go ahead and start talking about the Charlotte and the Knicks, and go ahead and yeah, knock, we'll, just get right. that out of the way. We'll get the we'll get the appetizers, the the little soups, you know, out of the way. <laughs> so I think one of the last things we had talked about with the Knicks related to them firing Fizz. Mm-hmm. Am I just? Was there anything beyond that? Uh, no, that was I. Uh, the last one that we had recorded was when yeah, it was like right after Fizz got fired, and then the one right before that we were talking about um, you know the possibility of him getting fired, which he ultimately did. And you know, since then the Knicks have really just 
been basically what we expected them to be, which is just not good. Yes. Um, but since then, they have also fired Steve Mills, uh, who is team president of basketball operations. The crowd at Madison Square Garden continues to chant, uh, fire or sell the team. And he's already came out and said he won't. They've apparently hired uh, Leon Rose and World Wide West, who are two guys. Uh, I think they're player agents um, as their new like basketball operations, and I'm not sure what World Wide West would have. Um, so, you know, what, what, what are you feeling right now about uh, what they did at the trade deadline? I mean, I think they made some smart moves, but they're just starting to undo some of the moves that they shouldn't have made in the offseason. You know, I mean, they... Sp- Right, spent like, a, like signing four power forwards? Yeah, they forwards. spent $135 million on a, several different power forwards. And, um, you know, so moving somebody like Marcus Morris and giving him a chance to compete in the playoffs as well as, you know, getting that contract off the books to continue tanking is an obviously good move. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, the really good move would have been not making the decision to sign a bunch of people like that in the off season, if you didn't have to, um, you know, so we'll, right. we'll see I mean, if they be... continue to put things together that well, you know, I think, um, it'll be interesting to see what the draft is going to end up like this season, uh, this, this off season. Yeah, you're right. So we were talking about the Knicks and the Hornets sort of collectively. So on the Hornets side, the Hornets didn't make any trades like the Knicks did the, the Knicks sent. Um, Marcus Morris, what did they send? Marcus Morris and, um, what, let's see here. They sent Marcus Morris to the Clippers, and then they got Mo Harkless, two first-round picks with some protections and stuff. Yeah, and, um, and a second-round pick, I believe, with some protections on it as that's well. That's correct. And, I mean, if you think about it, they're getting these picks from the Clippers, so their picks aren't going to be worth anything anyways um, because they should have good teams this year and next right. year. So, I mean, they're going to be low-level low picks, so nothing crazy. But, I mean, at, at the very least, they did get something from Marcus Morris. But at the same time, they're still paying Julius Randle $18 million this year, um, almost $19 million next year. And then in t- the 21-22 season, he's going to be getting nineteen point eight. Um, I mean, they're paying Bobby Portis fifteen this year. He has a player option or a team option for next season. Taj Gibson's getting nine point eight this year, a team option for ten point two. So I mean, like they have some team options here, some stuff that they can like scrub from the books if it, you know if they don't want them, which they probably won't. But it doesn't mean that they had to make these deals in the first place, you know, which is what you were getting at. Yeah, I think that's you know, we'll see if they can continue making good decisions. I think, you know, undoing some of what they did is pretty important. And, I mean, to, to some extent, that really characterizes what the Hornets have to figure out. Um, you know, they've, they've done yeah. a good job so far of um, they're going to buy out Marvin Williams, right? And he's go- poten- potentially yeah, so a target they're... from Milwaukee. Yeah, so they're buying out Marvin Williams and Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Um, and the Hor- the Hornets, I feel like, did a good job at the trade deadline by not doing anything. I agree um, with that. We've talked about this on the podcast. <laughs> we've talked about this on the podcast multiple times. Um, the Hornets have been interested in Drummond before, um, and I heard uh, you know like one of those guys that calls themselves like an insider, you know, say that the the Hornets were trying to be uh, buyers at the trade deadline so that they could you know try and sneak up and get that eighth seed, which. I don't think that they were doing, and thank God that they didn't, you know, ultimately play that out at the trade deadline. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, actually looked at it this morning because now that we have something to play for, which is the number one overall pick, um, I mean, I was looking at the standings and just trying to see, like, you know, where the, the picks are standing right now. Currently, Golden State have, or would have the number, or Golden State should theoretically get the first pick if the, the you know, season stopped today. That would be followed by Cleveland, Atlanta, then Charlotte at four, uh, Minnesota at five, New York at six, Detroit at seven, Chicago at eight, um, Washington at nine, and then Phoenix at ten. And I was excited when I was looking at this because, I mean, realistically, there is a chance that the Hornets could slip, you know, into that that two spot 
Um, I mean, it, it would be hard to get to that one spot, but I mean, it's it's in play. They're only they only have four more wins over Golden State right, right. now. Right. Um, even though they did get worse by trading D'Angelo, uh, as expected, but. Um, I mean, really, Cleveland, since they got Andre Cleveland Drummond should, from the Pistons. Cleveland should win some for, games now. <clears throat> right. I think you have it noted here that the Cavs traded Drummond for a Quiznos gift card. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, made me, it made me think. I, hadn't, I haven't even thought about Quiznos in probably 10 years. Well, <laughs> yeah, Drummond could end up that way if he doesn't do that much while he's in Cleveland. <laughs> so you're, he could be eerily... He could be eerily similar to a Quiznos gift card. Not not the analogy that you want. No, um, um, but but you're right. Like he he could come in and they could find themselves, you know, even accidentally winning a few extra games. You know, if, if the chemistry between him and some of the other guys, you know, feels good. Um, yeah, yeah, they should definitely win games. And then right behind them, uh, Atlanta, who has you know currently the third worst record. In right in front of the Hornets. They picked up Clint Capella right. um, in the three-team deal. You know, so, I mean, those two teams alone should be better than the Hornets down the stretch, right? You, I would think so, yeah. I mean, um, I mean, actually, you know what? I watched the Wolves last night, and I got to tell you, I think I'm going to really enjoy this team with, with some of the trades that they made because I, I don't know how you feel about Malik Beasley, but I like him a lot. Um, I've always, yeah, I like Malik Beasley. always been intrigued by Hernan Gomez. And obviously they get Russell, so you know I, I think I think that was a, a good deal for them as long as they can keep some of those guys and they actually help. Yeah, they got also uh, Evan Turner, mm-hmm. and uh, they got a first round pick and all of that too. Yep. Um, they got Jared Vanderbilt. What else? Who, uh, he, yeah, else. he was they got he was like James third jo- they, they, the, the they picked up James players. Johnson too. Uh yeah 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 you know Cause, uh, yeah because he has an um, expiring. Expiring money. They got also um, uh, Amari Spellman, right? And uh, one of the guys who I can't think of off the top of my head. Evans, is that right? Um, yeah. Uh, there's Damian Lee. I think Jared Evans hasn't, think yeah, right. hasn't gotten a lot of time. Um, so, I mean, with all these trades that went down, was there any like anyone in particular that you liked more than the others or – one that you hated more than the others. Um, you know, in the in the sense of looking at Memphis playing for that eighth uh, eighth seed, uh, I liked their pickup of Justice Winslow and Dion Waiters. Yeah, well, I, they yeah, I wonder what they're gonna do with with Dion. I wonder if they're gonna keep him or, or cut him. Um, yeah, I, you know, I really liked what they did as well. Um, you know, I think. If if they can keep Justice Winslow on the court, then you know he'll be he'll be a great just a big body to throw um, in there. I don't I don't think they're going to keep Justice or Jordan Bell either. But yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't really think matter. they yeah I wouldn't think they would. Um, I like the Blazer the Blazers picking up Trevor Ariza. Uh, they got a you couple like other that? guys. Yeah, I like that. I mean. I like, you know, I mean, we've talked about Dame. I like watching Dame play and play well, and, you know, it's. I think it's good to, to surround him with some some guys who can space the floor a bit. Uh, so did I think you happen that, that, to see – did you happen to see the game <clears throat> the other night where he didn't get um, a goaltending call at the end of the game? Did you see that? I didn't see it until the, I saw the, the headline about that the next morning. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was it was clearly goaltending, and I think I told you, you know, Dame is supposed to perform at All Star Weekend this year. Um, you know, I, I I would really, if he really wants to do a power move, he should just like pay his fines because you know he's going to get fined for talking, you know, down on the NBA. Um, he should. Have you seen the, the headline fines. that said that they that they're not going to fine him? Really? Yeah. See, that's how you know that they know that they messed up. I think, I, yeah, no, I think that's definitely true. It's like, hey, we know that we fucked you out of this game and this win that your team needs because they're currently in ninth, and what they're like, we're, we'll we'll just let this one go. Our bad, Dame. Yeah, we just need, um, you know, the the refs just need the ability to overturn calls in a game like that. You know, I'm not trying. 
I, I don't. I am not fond of being on the side of essentially saying the NBA should do something like the NFL. But you know, the, I mean, if you could look at the camera and see from some replay that without a you know without a doubt this is should have been a different call. You gotta. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like the last two minute report is fine, but you know, what what good is it for people to say yeah we fucked up if you know. Mm-hmm fucking up really changes something in the long run, you know. I think in many cases, in an 82-game season, you know, a missed game here or there isn't necessarily the end of the world, but particularly when we get into the playoffs, I mean, the, the refs need the ability to, and the, the league needs the ability to, the to or the, the, to, the league needs to enforce uh, mm-hmm. ma- making the refs, you know, if like when you review a call, if it's X way, you have to do X thing in order to, to get it right. I mean, I think, you know, everyone is there yeah. for the same purpose. Every, you know, some people want their team to win and the other team to lose, but no one wants their team to win or lose really at the expense of a technicality. I mean, I think at the yeah. at the at the end of the day, I, I think plenty of fans will take a you know will take the W, but I think from a confidence in the league standpoint. You know, the more games you get right, the better people like the league. Yeah, and, you know, like, it's so weird that, like, you know, you can't... That, like, in the moment... And, like, this is me not being in the moment as a ref, so I wouldn't know how it feels. But, like, it seems kind of weird that, like, you wouldn't be able to just, like, kind of set aside, like, your ego and just go look, you know? Uh, Like, they... Like, they already, like, you see it on the court. They let players influence certain calls here and there sometimes when they point and are just really emphatic about certain things. Like, they do influence certain calls. So, like, why not do it, like, at the most pivotal pivotal, pivotal moment at the end of the game? Exactly. Like, it just, I don't, I don't get that. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. But I agree with you. It does seem like the league... Acknowledge that they messed up, at least as in, as so far as the headline I saw saying they were not going to find Dame. Um, I mean, maybe they thought that if they find him or went through with something like that, because he had, a, or you know what I mean, because it seemed clear that it was goaltending that, uh, you know, he might pull out of the All Star stuff or whatever. Right. So um, I want to ask you something. Switch gears just a little bit and go back to one of these trades. Um, so you're you're a D'Lo guy, right? You like D'Angelo Russell? I do like D'Lo. Okay. Are you a Wiggins guy? And I only ask this because I've, I just realized this morning, I don't think we've, we've ever had any sort of Wiggins discussion, ever. Really? I think we have. I think we've talked about him being just like having way more potential than he's ever been able to reach. Would, uh, would mercur- mercurial be a good word? I think yeah, I think that's a great great word. I mean, Mr. Is, Mr. English professor, you tell me. He is obviously um, a very talented player, and you know, in an on an inconsistent basis, he he's a bucket. But right, sometimes so him trying to get like, it gets it, gets in his way. I would say. Uh, and, I, and I, I'm interested to hear what you think about this, but I, I would say uh-huh. that if if any franchise could perhaps uh, rescue what you know some of some of his uh, ability and push it back towards some of his potential ceiling has been, uh, I think you know pairing him up with Golden State and Steve Kerr is a solid franchise to test that out. You know. Yeah, no, I, I get that. Um, with so with just all before, the main, before I, I'd say with all the main guys out in Golden State too, it gives him a chance mm-hmm. to really be the main focus and work on some of his stuff. I think through the the rest of the season. Okay, yeah. So like, I, I'm gonna kind of continue with what you're saying, but I just want to ask, like, like just overall, like in general, are you a Wiggins guy or not? Like, you're a D'Lo guy. I get that. You know, are you are you I, a Wiggins guy? I would not characterize myself as a Wiggins guy. No. 
Okay. Well, uh, I mean, almost nobody is. I kind of realize how ridiculous that is now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> um, uh, he's but, made it, he's made know, it hard to be, not because of his personality, yeah, but, yeah. but just, you know, I mean, from, uh, a, pure, play, from a purely play standpoint, yeah, it's he's made it hard to vouch for him. So I want to talk about somebody else who might also have Wiggins syndrome in just a second. We'll get there. Um, but before before we do that, I just want, the only reason I'm asking is because I feel like there's about to be a really really strong like just heel turn where people are gonna like people people are gonna start rooting for Wiggins. They already started to do it at the beginning of the year um, when I mean his efficiency numbers were really good because he was taking more threes um, and less like long contested twos. Um, so, you know, people were already starting to give him a little bit of praise for that. He's passing a little bit better. <clears throat> but I just want to point out, this is what Steve Kerr said <clears throat> when talking about, uh, you know, what he was going to bring to the team and stuff like that. He says, and I quote, he's been, a, he's been in a tough spot and people have talked about him underachieving the last few years. So let's see what we can do and let's see what we can do next to a group and see what he can do next to a group of players who have been wildly successful. There is a difference in the role that we're going to ask him to play, too. Minnesota needed him to be a star, and we're not asking him to be a star. We're asking him to be a play to him to play a role on a team that already has some star players. There's a huge difference there. <clears throat> I don't know. Like it sounds to me like they're already laying the groundwork for a Wiggins resurgence. I mean, listen, if uh, Wiggins is on your team, I think you're obligated to play PR for him. But, uh, right. you know, so I, it does not surprise me that Steve Kerr has those feelings because Steve Kerr can't ship Andrew Wiggins out right now. Uh, exactly. I, I think that, again, I, I really do, you know, I think Steve Kerr is a good guy and knows basketball and... <clears throat> Obviously, something he's been able to do with the, the Golden State franchise over the last six years has been relatively successful. So, you know, I think, you know, he's not the only coach that could do it, but I think he's one of right. the, you know, he's one of a handful of coaches that if Andrew Wiggins has well, to go somewhere and get a second chance, I think that's a good place for him. Right. Well, I got two two little more nuggets to throw out there about this, and then we'll we'll move on to somebody well, else. Hold on, but, let, let me ask you: uh, uh-huh. Would you prefer, in terms of moving contracts, would you prefer Charlotte to have picked up Wiggins instead of Golden State? I mean, uh, um, <clears throat> you know, probably not. Just because we already kind of have a logjam like on the wings slash forwards anyways with Miles and PJ, right. you know, and that's yeah. kind of its own thing. Like that's its own discussion when you want to talk about who would you rather have. Um, but I will tell you this: if Steve Kerr envisions Andrew Wiggins as a role player, I mean, you'd have to think if you want to just draw comparisons, something like Andrew, uh, uh, not Andrew, um, Harrison Barnes, right? Just right. because he's kind of he would fill like a similar role. Now yeah. let me ask you this: Would you want would you want somebody to fill that role who is paid next season twenty nine point two, and then thirty one point three the next year, and then in twenty two twenty three he's getting thirty three point three? Is that a chance you're willing to take? You know, because at that at that money, I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't want a role player that costs that much. Listen, you know, if, if you give me. If he's going to be a role player in the sense of Iguodala on a championship team and he's going to step up in game six and be the bucket you need, yeah, he could, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, helping you, yeah, win, but, helping you win a chip may justify paying someone like that. But sure. You but, can't but possibly you know, like play, order, yeah, you can't pay a role player $27 million. I mean, even if he were to get to the to like honestly, Andrew Wiggins is the exact opposite. He stands for everything that Andre Iguodala does not. Andrew Wiggins, or, or I should say, Andre Iguodala is savvy, smart, good decision maker, plays tough defense. You know, really, you know, just really mature and savvy with the ball. Just knows how to win and how to do things. That's like the exact opposite of Wiggins. And, you know, like that's – I'm not saying that to slander him, but that's just the case that we got right now. Like if I'm paying that much money for somebody, 
I would want to hope that he's still going to be a star. But, you know, like, that's almost that's almost insane to even think about now. Is like, you know, do, is that do, picture Doing it for being, one year, too, would be different than having to do it for three straight. Right. Exactly. If you had him... Exactly. If you had to pay him for one year, and it was a sort of Toronto with Kawhi situation, not... I don't mean that in the sense that Kawhi is the role player here, just... You know what I mean? You're paying a lot of money to... I don't know. I mean, any one of those guys who, at the time, could have been... You know what I mean? Would have been a solid role player on any team. And they were really all role players around Kawhi. So, I mean, paying one of them that much is fine, but if they're not, you know... You've got to save that kind of money for the players you're going to be your stars and the players you're going to have to and be able to depend on night in and night out. Right. I, you know, and, you know may, like, maybe Wiggins becomes that guy, and, and that would be a fun storyline to see happen in the wake of what people generally think about him as a player currently. But Right, and look, and look, that's not me saying that, you know, I wouldn't have done the deal, because to tell you the truth, you know, D'Lo didn't really fit that well with the Warriors and what they wanted to do anyways. Yeah. And so... I mean, if you think about that and the fact that, you know, they did get somebody back who, even if he is just a role player, they did get somebody back who does have value at the very least, right? And they got back a first-round pick. It's a top three protected, but, I mean, we're talking about the Timberwolves here. So, I mean, who the hell knows what's going to happen with them? And they got a second-round pick. So, I mean, at the very least, you know, they did – they turned nothing into something. They turned KD – Leaving on who was going to leave on his own regardless of what happened. They turned KD leaving into Andrew Wiggins um, and then two first-round picks, and they got some other ancillary, uh, ancillary players, you know, and some of those deals as well. But on the whole, I mean, that's really not a bad deal to get back for somebody that was going to leave anyways when we're talking about Kevin Durant. Right. Know? Yeah. I mean, you could essentially so, look at it like, they, you know, Kevin Durant was going to get what 35 mil if he stayed. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Wiggins is Wiggins will be paid what? Uh, uh, so the, next year, next year he's like going to be making I think it was twenty seven point nine something along okay. those lines. Okay, I mean it's like getting, you know, it's like trading for you know you take some of the money and you spent what like nine Again, million nine million dollars yeah. I mean, for several picks. Yeah, I mean, again, like, you know, you can't replace a KD-level player, like, no matter what you do, unless you just replace him with the same player. But, you know, for him to, we all, like, for him to, to leave like he was going to, regardless of what they got back, the fact that they got out ahead of it, you know, they signed D'Lo, or they, they traded for D'Lo, signed him, you know, so that they did have that controllable, movable asset that they were then able to, to turn into something else that they could, you know, right. actually use that fits them better. You know, hats off to, to, the, to the Warriors for that. But, so I want to bring up something, and I kind of hate bringing it up just because it's a pretty prevalent topic anyways, just because of the, the markets yeah. um, that they play in. But do you think... And I say this because I'm thinking about Andrew Wiggins. Do you think that Joel Embiid might have the Andrew Wiggins disease, the the virus? Do you think that he might have picked that up in some, you know, court contact of some kind? Ooh. Uh... Because, I, dude, I, I'll be honest with you. The last few weeks that I've watched, well, let me go. Let me back this up. When Joel Embiid went down. It seemed like the the 76ers were not in a good place already. Um, they had been losing games, and they you know lost one of their best players. So it didn't look like things were gonna you know didn't look like things were gonna to turn out well for them. But then they went when he uh, went out. I think they went like 10, 10 and like three or something um, over the course of like a three week span. They played really really well, and they actually looked like a real basketball team. Even even with Ben Simmons as like a playmaker point guard, you know, role like they looked like an actual team without Horford at center. And now that Joel Embiid came back, they dropped four straight games in a row, and they finally beat Memphis last night. Um, I watched the 76ers Bucks game uh, Thursday night, 
And did, did you catch that game? Um, I saw the first two quarters, and then I did not get to see the second half. Alright, well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what happened. Joel Embiid was playing soft, and, and again, I hate to, to talk about those, like, those terms and those ideas, those tropes um, with sports, but he played soft, he was foul hunting, he was avoiding contact, he did not want the smoke. He did not want it. You know who wanted the smoke? You, know, you want to know who wanted all the smoke? Giannis. Giannis, Giannis was like, I'm a chimney, give me that smoke. He wanted all of it. Dude, I'm telling you, it was it was unreal. Like, and, you know, I, it, those are really lazy topics to say, like, you know, he doesn't want it enough, he's not aggressive enough, he's too soft, you know, those types of things. But you can just visibly see it, like, with Giannis, where he wants it when he's going up against like the big dogs, he comes to play every single time, and it seems like sometimes Joel just doesn't step up to some of those challenges, and you know it's kind of disheartening because you know it should work when you say that you have two guys that are two of the twenty best players in the league. That should be a team that competes for championships, and. You know, part of it's media created and part of it's, you know, actual fit. But, you know, like really, like when are we going to kind of decide that maybe there is a better way to do this where they don't play together? I mean, I think that that's generally true. Uh, What do you think about uh, Embiid's comments after the game the other night that were relatively obviously kind of talking about you have any quotes for me Simmons um, let me see if I can find it uh, he had said oh, was he, was it, he had said something ahead. to the extent of him having to shoot he, ha- he has to pull up and shoot a bunch of threes to help space out the floor kind of insinuating or perhaps implying that um, they don't have enough people that can shoot or that will shoot in order to help create some mm-hmm. space in the post yeah, um, I mean, it, like, it, talk about Simmons shooting all you want. When Embiid was out, they played with incredible pace. And he was able to do his thing where he could penetrate and set up guys. And I want to say that Ben Simmons leads the league in um, threes set up for teammates. Like, he, he sets up the most threes for his teammates um, in the league. And that's crazy to think about when you think about, like, you know, his skill set and his limitations. So it's kind of weird that we keep talking about Simmons needs to shoot, Simmons needs to shoot. Um, you know. I would think that somebody like LeBron might actually be that person. So it's a little surprising to me to consider that he's doing that more than somebody like Braun is doing it. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> I don't know. It's just kind of weird, like. You know, like, I, I do agree. Like, sometimes you do want Ben Simmons to be a little bit more aggressive, especially in the fourth quarters. Sometimes when he, you know, can sort of pick and choose if he wants to pass or shoot. You would rather see him, like, you know, take it to the cup a little bit more. But, you know, Joel Embiid wants to be the alpha. And if he wants to be the alpha, he just has to be that way. You know what I mean? Like, he, <laughs> there's really no way, no other way to put it than, like, you know, if he wants to be the man, he has to be the man. You know, to sort of put a spin on Ric Flair. Right, um, right. But he just he just doesn't. <clears throat> like, let me throw this out to you. He went, like I said, he went head-to-head with Giannis. And here is what Joel put up. In 32 minutes, 59 seconds of play. Okay? He put up 19 points, 11 boards, 6 assists, 1 block. 2 turnovers, 5 fouls. All right? He shot 23% from the field. He took 10 threes. Okay? He took 26, 26 shots total. 10 threes, all right? He only took seven seven free throws. Listen to this. For Giannis, in 34 minutes and 56 seconds, 36 points, 20 rebounds, six assists, one steal, three turnovers, three fouls. I mean, like, you tell, no, no, I you mean, tell me who, who wants if, it more. If you're, a, if you're the size of either of those guys and have even half the agility of those guys, you should be a pretty much a guaranteed 30 and 15, at least. Mm-hmm. 
so yeah, yeah no, I mean, and, I, and that's, I, pretty, I, that's pretty much what Giannis averages. Right. Um, but Embiid's points are down, right? He averaged around 27 or 28 last season, and I think he's back down to around 22, which is closer to what he was the season before last. Still very good. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, he's like what twenty two. Yeah, so, he's like twenty two uh, yeah, and no, he's thirteen. Down, yeah, he's down five. Yeah, he's down five points per uh, per game. Um, he's down two. Re- well, he's down. Yeah, almost two rebounds per game. Um, down. He's, and he's not. Half a block it's not game. like his worst season of his career or anything specifically. I think like uh, of the of the seasons that he's played, you know, and weren't out injured. Um, they're all fairly comparable, but it's not his best season. Um, even if he's not shooting the worst that he's shot, you know what I mean? Like, it feels like he's not shooting that well, but his his numbers aren't terrible. They're just he just isn't putting up enough points. Um, yeah, he well, yeah, he's just like I mean, you can see it when he plays. Like, like I, dude, I don't care who you are. When you're as big and as strong as he is, you need to get close to the basket. He takes like these like little like sort of like leaner like fadeaway shots and you know like things like that from the from the foul lines and stuff like that and I mean like you know he can make some of those yeah and it look if he's got an open shot you know shoot away like any any time that you're at the free throw line or in you know like that's fine but you know like don't settle for these open or like for these just three point shots like that's what they want you to do they will let you do that all day long. Do what they don't want you to do. Get into the paint. You know, throw some bodies around. Make them work defensively to stop you. Because that's when, because we talk about the spacing and stuff, and, you know, if Embiid would go into the paint more and pull some of those defenders into the paint, that would also help open up space. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, no, definitely. So if they could do, like, some, like, high post, like, pick and roll passing stuff where, you know, he sets he sets screens at the top of the key you know, stops at the high post, catches the ball, and sort of, you know, operates from there as just a facilitator and passer. Like, like that should be something that they do, you know? I, I don't know. It's just it's just kind of weird, you know, like the fit for this team, and it always has been. And it's like I don't want to see them break up because they are just so, so fun to watch. But I just don't know, you know, what they what they do from here on out. Have they, uh, have they missed the championship window? Have they missed it? Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't. As long as they have those two players on their team, they can't miss it, right? They kind of always have to be in it. I think. Even even if we are sitting here talking about you know all of their missteps and and the things that they lack, I mean, if they really put it together, they will always be able to compete, right? Yes, I think that's yeah. I think that's true. Yeah, if they, if, I mean, they have enough talent on the team. If they can play consistently well, then they should be one of the four best teams in the league. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, like they really, like they're they're in a tough position right now because, I mean, if the if the season were to stop today, they would be in the fifth seed and they'd be playing Miami in the first round, and that I mean that's just a rock fight, you know, like that's I'm, I'm sure they, Jimmy they Butler would love fresh. that. Oh, you know he would love it. Um. All right, so I feel like I feel like we've been really negative here for a while. I think we should I think we should talk a little bit about some All Star stuff. Um, well, let me ask one real fast seem, before we shift to the All Stars. What do you think about Houston picking up Roko? I think it's probably the other big um, big you deal know, in in the uh, trade deadline was probably that uh, trading of was it was a four team deal where. Uh, yeah, yeah. Wolves uh, got Malik deal between Malik Beasley yeah, Houston, and Hernan Gomez. Houston, Denver, Timberwolves, um, and somebody else. Yeah, um, the, uh, Hawks, because they got Clint. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. They got they Capella got and Nene. Houston ended up with Rocco, Jordan Bell, which they traded to Memphis, and a second round pick in 2024. Um, that's not the only move Houston made, right? They also got. Yeah, but it's like it's really the most prominent one. But yeah, that's the biggest one. Um, so, what do you think about the addition of Rocco to uh, the Rockets and their cutting loose of Capella and Nene? You know, I so like I I was conf- kind of confused when I saw that they were trading Clint Capella away 
at first, and then when I saw that they were getting um, Robert Covington, I was even more confused, to tell you the truth. Um, but I think overall, like, <clears throat> I mean, it, look, if they think this is the best way for them to win, I mean, it's definitely something different. You know, if they, I, as a fan, I'm completely here to see what what this turns out to be. You know, <clears throat> right? Obviously, we, you know, I, you know, I can't speculate on anything because, I, I mean, we haven't seen a team like this ever in our lifetimes. Um, I think the only, you know, the, the one team that people keep throwing around is like a comparable team uh, as far as height, you know, and positions go. Uh, it's like the 1963 Knicks, you know, and they didn't even have a three-point line back then. So, right. So they're, like, there really is – this is really unprecedented, right? Um, so I really don't know what to think about it. I hope it works. If it doesn't work, then, I mean, they're just kind of fucked, right? Yeah, you would think so. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, what they, it's, really... I, it's hard to think about what they would do in the long run if they determine – if they determine here like, in the next – Four weeks that it's not working. It's hard to think about what they could do to, to like not work and then somehow pull out the, a playoff run if it just tanks out. Right. Like let me let me let me tell you. Let me throw this out to you. Okay. All right. Currently, Russell Westbrook is thirty-one. James Harden is thirty. Eric Gordon is thirty-one. Robert Covington is twenty-nine. Now listen to this. All four of those guys are on the books at least through the twenty-one twenty-two season. Okay. Okay. Russell Westbrook in that season is going to be making forty three point eight million dollars, and he'll be he'll be like thirty three. James Harden is going to be making forty three point eight million. He'll be thirty two, thirty three. Eric Gordon is going to be making eighteen point two that year, and he'll be thirty three, thirty four, something around there. Robert Covington will be making twelve point nine, so essentially thirteen million dollars, and he'll be thirty two. You know, thirty-one, thirty-two as well. Jeez, so that's like one hundred twenty million dollars between those four guys. Between those four guys, who are all going to be over thirty years old, and then after that, okay, get this: the next year, twenty-two, twenty-three, Russell Westbrook and James Harden both have player options for roughly forty-six point uh, five million dollars. They're definitely um, they're both slightly over that. They're definitely going to opt in. Right. Eric Gordon is going to be on the books for two more years. All right, in the 22-23 season, he's going to be making 19.5. And then the year after that, in 23-24, he's going to be making $20.9 million. Yeah. He must have gotten this this deal coming off the season where he was like sixth man of the year. He got this deal last summer. Mm. So, yeah. So, I mean, like, really, they – I mean – Look, this has to work. If it doesn't work, they are fucked. Like I said, there's nothing else they can really come back from except to hope that it works or that the these guys retire or you know what I mean? Like there's really no other way to get around it. That's terrifying. It is. And so let me ask you this. Uh would you would you trust the lineup that starts um Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Robert Covington, P.J. Tucker, and, I mean, you can take your pick. Uh, Daniel House or Eric Gordon doesn't doesn't really matter, I guess. Would you trust that starting five in a playoff series against the Lakers? Uh, Clippers? Denver? Utah? I mean, maybe, those are some big teams. Maybe Utah, but I wouldn't want to play them I mean, either. Right, I mean, like, you would have to hope that, you know, you can take advantage of Gobert, you know, out on the, on the perimeter and stuff. And, yeah, you know, like, look, look, it could totally work. I did see how it could work. I think it was Thursday. Um, there was a play where basically they, they you know, set a, uh, P.J. Tucker set a pick. James Harden rolled into the paint, took a layup, missed it. Uh, team got a rebound, and Daniel House, like, poked the ball away took it back and they were kind of already set up in their defense anyways when when he got the ball back but he just drove straight into the paint on a big guy so you know like I kind of understand the idea of having five guys that can at least dribble a little bit 
you know, and shoot threes. Yeah. Like, like I, I'm interested to see it work. I just don't know if I trust it. But it only works when you have people that can shoot, like, Clay and Steph, right? Yeah, it, well, yes. I mean, and it also... I mean, even I when Draymond wasn't shooting that well, it didn't work that well for them all. Right, and I think it also really only works well, like, if they can stay healthy. I mean... P.J. Tucker, I think he's, what, like 34, 35 years old? Yeah, he's um, got to be close to 35. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's 34 right now. Um, and, I mean, like, what happens if he gets hurt? Like, what are they going to do then, you know? Yeah. Like, what happens? I mean, they have Tabo Cephalosha, yeah. of all people. It would not make you – know, I would not be comfortable center. as a Houston fan. It would not make me – Seeing some like, I you know I think they're making the best of some of what they've got, but where they've gotten themselves to in their decision making is troubling. Right, and it's like I like Daryl Morey, but like honestly, like if I'm an owner and I see what he's done with this team, you know they've traded away like all of their picks. Um, you know they don't have any cap space this year, and they won't for at least the next three years. And caps, like, I just and don't caps know. about to go down. Right, so I just don't know if, like, if I'm an owner and I see what he's done, like how many he's, he's basically hamstrung the the Rockets, you know? Yeah. Um, it, it could work out. I don't know, but he's he's essentially hamstrung them. And if I'm an owner, I don't, I wouldn't want anybody to do that with my team. Like, yeah, like, no, I understand. talking about getting fired, deplete me of all my assets. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um what happens with Houston going forward. I think I texted you like a week ago and said something like, just whispered uh, that Houston could exit in the first round. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Um, let's, uh, let's, let's switch gears real fast and let's talk a little bit about all-star stuff if you want. Yeah. Um, before yeah. we really, before we wrap this thing up. Um, now let me, let me ask, are you like, cause, cause I'm just curious and I don't know. Are you like really into the the All Star Weekend this year? Um, are you excited about it? Uh, are you more or less excited about it than maybe in years past? Like like what's your what's your read on it right now? Because I kind of I kind of can't catch a pulse from you. Uh, I've been a bit less excited about it this year than I have in some years past. But um, I'm probably the most excited for the Rising Stars game and the three point contest. I can't. Yeah. You know, I don't know. The dunk contest only has four people in it, and uh, I don't know. I mean, it's Dwight Howard versus Derek Jones Jr. versus Aaron Gordon versus Pat Connaughton. I mean, Aaron Gordon should win should win that <laughs> hands down, right? Maybe Derek Jones Jr. does something, uh, you know, and catch, yeah. catches everyone by surprise. Uh, but it's got to be either. Derek Jones or Aaron Gordon, right? Dwight Howard can't possibly have a chance being his age. And I, I, look, he's cool, but he can barely jump. You know what I, I mean? I'm flabbergasted. I'm flabbergasted that he's even in the competition. When I when I heard that they were like wanting him to do it, I was like, why in the hell would you want Dwight Howard in there? I, I really like that was like mind blowing in the worst way possible. Yeah. Uh, honestly, like I'm kind of scared to see Aaron Gordon in it because the last time he was in one, you remember a few years ago, that one he was, like hurt. He was he was hurt coming into the All Star you know weekend, and he did the dunk competition anyways, and like he came up kind of limping after a dunk, but he, like kept going. And I'm just you know like I'm just kind of sitting there like I'm not even a fan of your team, but like I I like am like pleading with you to stop from my couch, <laughs> you know. <clears throat> I, I just don't yeah I don't get it. Um, I mean, last year, kind of the same deal, right? Where, for some reason, the three-point contest was the best event, and that's, like, not a good thing, you know? Generally, yeah. I mean, it's exciting, but it shouldn't be more exciting than the dunk contest. That seems outrageous. Right. Um, right. Um, but the three-point contest should be good. I mean, I'm very interested to see Devontae Graham yeah. versus Zach Levine, Trey Young, Buddy Heald, um, Dame, Joe Harris, all all of them are good shooters. That could be potentially hey, don't, very hey, good. Hey, don't don't leave out Devonte Graham. Don't leave out Devonte Graham. I said him first. How dare you? Oh, you did. I did. Okay, yeah, sorry, yeah. Sorry, no, sorry, I sorry. said him first. <laughs> let's see. How dare you? Um. All right. Hey, let's let's make some quick picks then. Um. Let's let's we'll start at the top. We'll look at the uh, the um, skills challenge. Okay. Um. Who who do you got in the skills challenge? Let's say. Let me see. Remind me who is in the skills challenge. All right, we got Bam Adebayo, Patrick Beverly, 
Spencer Dinwiddie, Chris Middleton, Derrick Rose, DeMontis Sabonis, Pascal Siakam, Jason Tatum, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Ooh, I'm inclined to say... Oh, well, actually, sorry. Derrick Rose isn't participating. Either. That's why Shea Gilgis-Alexander. I don't know. I would say either Spencer Dinwiddie or Shea. I knew you were going to say Spencer Dinwiddie. I figured that would be your pick. Um, you know, I, I want to go Shea Gilgis-Alexander, but I think Pascal is going to steal it. I mean, yeah, he definitely could. Um, there are a bunch of good picks there that would be that seem interesting to watch, you know, related to the skills challenge. But yeah, I think uh, I'll go with Spencer Dinwiddie for sure. Yeah. All right, moving on to the three-point competition. Who do you got? Um, I bet I think <clears throat> Joe Harris won it last year. Yeah, no, I remember. I was gonna say I think uh, Buddy Heald wins it. Really think so? You know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Davis Bertans. I really don't know why, but that dude's stroke is just so good. You know, yeah. Like, you watch him shoot, and you just know it's going in. Um, I I'm gonna pick him just because I like watching him shoot the best. But I I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if Joe Harris won it. Um, and then um, dunk contest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, AT and T slam dunk competition. The lowly dunk competition. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Pat Connaughton wins. All right. I'll pick Aaron Gordon. Hey, would um, if Pat won it, would he be the first white guy to ever win the dunk competition? Like, I really don't know. Uh, potentially. I don't actually know that. <laughs> I don't know. We'll have I, to check that. Yeah, I don't know that information. We'll have to look into it. Um, All right. Um... We have the Rising Scar, uh, Stars Challenge on Friday night. Uh, if you need to go look over those rosters really fast, you can because there is a lot there to digest. Um, USA versus the world, mostly young guys, uh, you know, playing in these games. You know, I got to tell you, I, I really feel like the, the world team should be better for some reason. I feel like it's been better. Like, like last year, I feel like it was really good. Uh, yeah. You know, I feel like it should be better this year. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, I think that the the U.S. team actually has a surprisingly strong team. Uh, yeah, you know, no, I do too. And and it might be that the U.S. team has more, like their talent is better across the team. But I think the world has, uh, uh, you know. I mean, they have they have Luca. Right, they have more more brighter. <laughs> they have the best player. More brighter <laughs> talent to to some extent. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think that'll be a pretty fun game to watch. Um, I think I'll pick the U.S. team to win. Okay. Um, and then, you know, finally, uh, last but not least, we have the actual All-Star game uh, to, to choose from. Um, who who do you got in that? <clears throat> I mean, when you look at the, the, the way the teams <laughs> came out, I mean, it's kind of hard to, not to think Team LeBron wins, but... Giannis' team has a bunch of shooters and people that uh, I think might space the floor a little better. But goddamn, just LeBron's team is fucking huge. Well, I mean, like you know, barring Giannis, LeBron has the five best players in the NBA starting for him. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, no, definitely. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, there's almost no way you can go against Team LeBron. Um, you know, so I. I I have to point something out because I was looking at it last night and it kind of made me laugh. Um, like every year, I just love to see who's participating in the um, celebrity game. You know, I don't I don't watch it because I mean it's you know it is what it is. Uh-huh. Um, but I always like to see who's in it. Uh, I mean, this year Han- uh, Hannibal Burris is going to be in it this year. Um, let's see, we have uh, Chance, Chance the Rapper is going to be in it. That'll be interesting. Is Quavo play it again? Yeah, yeah, Quavo's in it. Um, he's actually on Chance the Rapper's team. Justin Bieber in um, it? You know, I, I, I thought he was, but I don't think he actually is. Um, and I'm trying to see the coaches, because the coaches is what really made me laugh. Um, it was like, I think it was like the, the coach is Stephen A. Smith and the assistant coach is Guy Fieri. Good Lord. <laughs> I mean, I mean, like, I don't know what, what else to do there. 
Yeah, what do you even say about that? Good God. <laughs> like, okay. Uh, is Guy Fieri a big basketball fan? How have I never known that? Or I don't know. You know I don't know if he is <clears throat> or not, but I will say, like, it would make me, f- I would love him more than I already do if I found out that he were a basketball fan. I mean, I would certainly respect him more. Uh... <laughs> To find out that he was a huge basketball fan, definitely. Uh, right. Um, well, I think I think this is just as good a place to leave off as any. We just hit the hour mark. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. I'll go ahead and throw us out. Um, as always, if you like what you hear, if you're interested in working with us, we're interested in hearing from you and perhaps collaborating, email us at theinformspectator at gmail.com. Again, that is theinformspectator at gmail.com. Use either the subject line mailbag or collaboration. Uh, you can read our written work. We keep that at thespectatorweekly.wordpress.com. You can catch us on Twitter individually, or at least together, at Savvy Spectators. And individually, uh, we are active on Twitter. You can catch me at Austinimus, A-U-S-T-I-N-I-M-U-S, and J. Um, at J, the letter J, P-A-T-704, that is at J-P-A-T-704. Uh, as always, we are broadcasting for free from SoundCloud.com slash The Informed Spectator, the official sound stream of The Informed Spectator and The Informed Spectator Podcast Network. Uh, as always, we are your parquet professors urging you to stay posted, and uh, we'll catch you next time. All right, man, I'll talk to you later. Yeah, buddy, good to, good to talk to you always. You too, man. Have a good one. You too. Peace. They're not going to rook us. <laughs>